Brady's Arva Limited, main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles, have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast on wearecavan.com. The recording you're about to hear is from last Thursday night in Brady's of Arva showroom, the home of the main Volkswagen dealer in the Cavan, Longford and Leitrim areas. Um, host from RTE, Hugh Cahill, uh, brings a wonderful evening's entertainment and we're going to leave that in as this week's podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, you're very welcome, and uh, thank you very much, Porik, and thanks so much for having us here this evening. We hope you're going to have a good night. We have a fantastic panel here and plenty of discussion. We will open up for questions and answers towards the end, so any questions you have for any of the lads, and I'm sure there are lots, just stick your hand up towards the end of the night, and we'll do our best to get to as many as possible. But would you please welcome on stage our panel for tonight, Kieran Brady, Tomas O'Shea, Dermot Brady, Mickey Graham, Colm O'Rourke, and Kieran Kilkenny. Have a seat, folks. Anywhere you like. In no order of importance. <laughs> Closest to me is a dangerous spot, you know that. Um, I'd just like to start off uh, the big match this weekend. I know we're predominantly here to talk about GA, but obviously <laughs> there is a big match this weekend. Uh, Ireland taking on the All Blacks. And Colm, just to put this to you, like, so last weekend, New Zealand played England in Twickenham and New Zealand were doing their famous Maori traditional pre-match dance, war dance if you like, which is generally respected the world over, and the English fans broke into sweet lo- Swing Low, Sweet Chariot as soon as they started off, so no respect whatsoever. And I thought to myself, geez, the, the, Irish, the Irish would never do something like that. Tonight, Northern Ireland are the visitors to the Aviva, playing the Republic of Ireland, and lo and behold... God save the Queen comes on the Aviva, and it was roundly booed out the door from start to finish by the Republic of Ireland fans. And I just thought to myself, Jesus, we're no better than those English lads. <laughs> well, that's the sort of reception we used to get in Cavan, so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a bit surprised you come down here. I'm just amazed. Obviously, the Bradys are going well. It's the first time I ever got anything to eat in Cavan. Really? Yeah. The only thing I ever got down here was abuse. And... I don't know, I'm getting worried. There was a lot of people that were nice to me as soon as I came in the door. So I have a strange feeling there's something going wrong. But I suppose it just shows you the amount of money that they ripped off of the poor people around Cavan if they're putting on <laughs> such a spread. And look at this place that they're after building. It's unbelievable. It's fantastic. It's the only thing about it is they do it nicely when they take the money. Uh, yeah. They always have a smile on their face and they say thanks. So you don't even know what's gone until oh, it's gone. No, no not at all. <laughs> Well, look, uh, Mickey, it's great to see you. And look, first of all, we've got to talk about Mullinocta as well because fantastic success for yourself. And I'm sure there's an awful lot of excitement here in the room about the prospect of yourself taking over the Cavan senior football job. You have a lot of pressure, though, because you're after flying it the last few years. They're expecting the same with Cavan. So what do you reckon? 
Oh yeah, put the money on now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, looking forward to it. Um, obviously, you know, had a couple of great years with Mullinyakta there, and it's only over the road. And, you know, great buzz in the parish at the moment, looking forward to a Leinster semi-final. But, yeah, obviously, Cavan is, is in the pipeline now, and we're up and running now this week. So it's a big challenge ahead, and one that I'm looking forward to. You're double jobbling at the moment. Double you must jo- be praying when to get beaten. Like, come on. Well, look at, as Colm said there, I'm a Cavan man. <laughs> not going well, any further. Well, should be in the Cavan Championship anyway. It's not what they're properly from. Yeah, well, that's what they said. Half of them are living in Cavan, half of them are living in Longford, you know. Yeah, but so look, you've got our Ogan in the semi-final, Leinster semi-final, so obviously a big match to prepare for uh, as well. And it's shaping up quite nicely, this club championship this year. Um, I know, Tomás, I, I think we had Dr. Croak scoring 5.20 from play over the weekend in their win with Gooch on the bench, which will tell you the standard that's been set by Dr. Croaks this season. Yeah, they're, 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 we love Dr. Croaks ourselves at home. We, we, um, <laughs> no, they're, they're going well, and I suppose they had the experience, and uh, they got caught last year. I suppose they had a long year with the, winning the, the All-Ireland Club title, but they're after coming back, and the Gooch, I don't know, is it the tight jerseys or what, but he's not as training as, as, as much as he used to. Uh, Why has he put on three, three stones since, he's, since the last year or so? Is it? He was never a big man for the weight, but I, just saw, I see a bit of a punch. I don't know, is it the, the new bank job, I'd say, doesn't suit him at all. <laughs> um, but no, look, they're, they're, they're flying. They're absolutely flying. And the Finn Bars, I wouldn't read too much into it, Hugh. I think the Bars won a county title in Cork for the first time since 85. And yeah. club with their tradition, I do think, and being around the town and, and hearing... I, d- I know they did celebrate and they stopped a few days before and they said they were all serious about it but I do, I do think it did affect them having said that Crokes were awesome on the day so yeah. in other words Finbars were drunk when they played Dr. Crokes and they conceded 5.20 from play is that what they're telling us? Well, that's what they're telling us in Cork anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so look Kieran, it's great to have you um, obviously a bit of time, time, time for yourself after the four in a row so this is the stage where you can kind of relax recharge the body just forget about Dublin football for a while yeah. Um, you put on a bit of weight now, in fairness. We're talking about goose there yourself. Yeah, like, you know. I put on a, a little bit of a pouch as well. Um, but no, it was great. I had a great day today in Arva. went down to the local national school there, and the boys won the coming of months school final there recently. So well done again, boys. And the girls were successful last year as well, so well done. And we tipped down to Moyne, the secondary school then as well. And geez, had a lovely steak over there in the Breffney Arms there. So actually the Brady's and myself are looking at a spot down here that I can settle down in and hopefully win the two <laughs> trophies in there behind one day. So um, no, no, it's a great time of year. Um, and it, it's great um, to come down to Arva. And you know, it's a great time to reflect with your club mates and your family and stuff like that. So it's nice to get a bit of a break. You appreciate the downtime, do you? I mean, you need it almost, right? Yeah, well, I clearly don't need it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's great. You need it mentally and physically. You need it just to relax and get away on a holiday and just reflect on the year and spend time with the family because there is, there is a lot of pressure involved these days um, and, and the, the demands and training, the commitment is, is a lot. So you do need that downtime just to relax and mentally and physically uh, reset yourself and then assess the next year. So no, it's a really, really important time of year. But I'm getting a bit of a niche now, as you said, and people are starting to notice that I've a bit of a belly and a bit of a chin. So yeah, not I'm just a, me. Yeah, <laughs> not just you. Yeah, yeah. If you call me, we're noticing. But no, no. Um, so I'm mad keen to get back training now. So I'm looking for, really looking forward to next year and what's what's ahead of us. Colin, do you think that the balance has, has the GA have got the balance right between the downtime for the elite players, if you like, and and that that period where they're back 
in demand in training. I, I know you had a piece in the Sunday Independent about this last week in terms of maybe some solutions to keep players ticking over through the winter months that maybe keeps them out of the gym a little bit more because there seems to be an obsession around the gym culture at the moment, but also the fine balance between guys, keeping guys out on the pitch, the skills kind of keeping going versus the downtime that Kieran talks about that they actually need at certain stages of the season. Well, I suppose the, the really good teams get nearly too much of it and then the lesser teams get very little. So a lot of the poor counties are out of the championship since June, early July this year. And a lot of clubs, because of the restricted nature of the season, are out of the championship maybe in July or August. So by the time they start training again next year, the whole fitness level is gone for a lot of people if they don't take their football seriously. And the skill level drops and everything else. So the, the gap becomes wider and wider. And uh, of course, a team like Dublin, uh, they are going to be going till September every year and they have their food delivered to home, and they have a car. <laughs> well, Kieran gets two it's portions actually, of actually, day, you know that. A car supplied to them. Is it a Volkswagen Golf, or is it one of that? <laughs> is that the one that Kieran gets to drive home tonight after saying all the nice things about Arva and the kids? Uh, he deserves it anyway. But in all seriousness, if you don't have players playing on a regular basis for a nine- or a ten-month season, you're not going to develop the skills particularly. And I think that's, that's a big issue that uh, teams, like in Mead, for example, I'd say by the middle of August, most teams were going to have the club championship. So there is not another game for them until next February. That's August to February is a huge, a huge it, amount of time. Yeah, and that's the same every year. So that's not good. And there has to be some end-of-season competitions, I think, that come along to... A lot of people say, our oh, fellows in club level, they want to get away from it. But I think most lads would like to play maybe up till... October, certainly, in some type of competition. Dermot, uh, obviously, 17 years for Longford. I didn't realise you were first cousin of the Brady's, just purely because of the fact that you had such a long and distinguished career at inter-county level. And the Brady's that I know can't kick a football sideways, so I was actually amazed to find out that you were a first cousin. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I, um, I look, I played for 17 years, all right, but I haven't as much all-earned medals as these boys beside me. No, but 17 years of senior careers is a serious achievement, and... You know, it's a fantastic achievement. Considering you're related to these Bradys as well, puts you up there as far as I'm concerned. And it must be harder to get on the Cavan team than it is to get on the Longford team. <laughs> no, but look, I mean, you've stepped down now, obviously. Do you miss it at all? Or how you uh, look, I missed it last year, all right. Actually, I met my cousin outside, and he said Longford is going better since I left. So, um, <laughs> no, but when I was going to the matches last year in Paris Park, and they're doing well in the league, yeah, you would miss it, all right. But look, I don't miss the training. Probably it's, it's, like, it's an awful lot of dedication. And then, like, if a family now is so, like, just a bit more time at home. Yeah, exactly. And, Kieran, look, I know you've got, obviously, two, two seats down for you. You've got to be careful what you say here with the new manager coming in. But vice-captain for yourself last year, you're very much enjoying your, your inter-county career so far? Uh, yeah, look, I have to say I am. I was sitting two seats down. I'd be a little bit nervous now. I have to be careful what I say. But I think one thing this man, you say it as it is. So I think I'll try and keep it that way anyway and be as honest as I can, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, look, uh, Mickey, let's, uh, let's just talk about... Your, your kind of job when you come into the cabin setup, and I, I appreciate at the moment, you, you know, it's, it's difficult for you because when the knocks are going so well and you have cabin position as well coming up. But I had an interesting chat this afternoon with uh, a local gentleman, I won't say his name because he killed me, but in terms of the mindset that cabin need to achieve to get to the next level, and this is what you're coming into. You're coming into a squad of seriously talented players, very good underage setup, and, and a lot of young guys coming through as well. But I suppose people will be looking to you to bring Cavan through to the next step. And the next step might be aiming to 
achieve an Ulster title in the next couple of years, or certainly to look at making the Super 8s within the next two to three years. How do you feel about that? Um, could you ask these boys that question? And then I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you the answer after that. No, look, at, I suppose um, everybody knows that the talent is in Cavan. There's no doubting about that. You know, there was a lot of quality from the under-21 squads a number of years ago and also the minor squad got to an All-Ireland semi-final only two years ago. So there is talent there. I suppose it's about getting the right environment, creating the right environment within the panel and providing the players with the right uh, tools to go out and perform to the best I can. And I think it's about creating a culture that the lads see that the thing has been done properly, you know, and get a bit of unity. I believe that for far too long in the last number of years in Cavan that there's been an, over, an overturn of a lot of players. There's been no consistency within the panel as regards every year Cavan will go out at senior, senior championship match. There's 10 or 12 players different from the year before. And I think the first aim is to get a group of lads that are going to stick stick at it you know there's no shortcut to success it's going to take time and lads that are in it for the long haul and you know you talk about winning Ulster championships we have to be realistic we've only won one game in Ulster in five years so you know our game would be to win take one game at a time and you know we'll build it from there but yeah look at it's 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 it's, there's no doubt in what's, what's out there. It's about harnessing that and getting the best out of them and making sure that the lads are enjoying what they're doing foremost and then also that there's a vision and everyone can see where we want to get to. And if players see that there's, there's a medicine in what we're doing, um, then they'll start believing and they'll start put rowing in behind you and that's what we'll be trying to create. What about uh, like creating a culture of self-belief? Because I, I, like, and I understand that you and as manager coming in, you don't want to set the bar too high, at least publicly, but you know, for, for a county like Cavan with the talent that's here, and the, the rich history in, in Gaelic football and the passion that is there among the fans as well. How much of your job is going to get the players to believe that they are capable of competing at the very top tier? Yeah, it's a huge job. There's no doubt about it. And um, the National League Division 1 is going to be the place to start off with. You're playing against the best teams in the country. And, you know, that'll be an indication of where you're at. And as long as we can go out and compete in Division 1. And I think if lads see that, they, you know, that they're competing and, you know, that they're able to match these teams that then you start seeing the belief coming within the players. And I think that they've shown that down through the years. The last time they were in Division 1, uh, they drew with Kerry, Big Mayo. Yeah. So that's only two years ago. Yeah. So, you know... There's no what has happened since then. They've went down to Division Two. They've come back up. Sure, so, they've shown that you know that there is belief there. But it's about harnessing it and you know getting the best players in Cavan playing. That's the main main thing, Hugh. For the last number of years, I don't think the best players have been committing to Cavan, and that's the job that you know I will try to make sure happens that we get every best player in Cavan available to play for Cavan. And I think if that happens, then the confidence will grow as we move forward. Tomás, I mean, you're, you're, like, you're from a, a Kerry team that, that won so much and that the culture of, 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 victor, of winning, of self-belief, I mean, I, I presume you didn't have to work on the mental state of it because Kerry just believed that they can succeed. How does a team like Cavan, the job that Mickey's coming into now, I mean, have you any insight into how they can transform what seems to be that little bit of lack of self-belief into a justification that actually we can compete at the very top level and in Division 1 next season? Yeah, well, I think it, I say it's hard to, to comment on counties when you don't know what's happening inside a county. But looking from the outside, there's no doubt that Cavan have survived in, in, and been in around, bouncing up and down from Division 1 the last two or three years. I think, and Mickey said it himself, one win in Ulster in the last five years is, is not, I, I won't say acceptable, but for a county like Cavan, they should be aiming to be winning games like that. Mm -hmm. You know, at Donegal last year, I thought they would be a, a way better 
performance up there and there wasn't. And that's where I'd be focusing in on. You know, if you think about it, like the way the, the National League is set up and the way it's starting earlier, you have a McKenna Cup, you have a National League, you have a, an Ulster Championship, and then if you make the Super 8s, that's a severe year. Like That's an awful long year. Like, and you yeah. try to squash in club commitments, and then if you have a, a manager that, say, is trying to fight his battle for his players and you'd understand a county manager trying to have his players all the time and then if you have a county board that will put games on it's a tough battle there's so many things that have to go right but as Mickey says if he gets the right group of players in and they set out targets at the start of the year that's all you can do every team has to set out targets at the start of the year and if you set out your targets and work hard for them there's no reason why you can't achieve it you know if it's it's you don't set out unrealistic targets you set out something you can achieve and then you work towards that. But it's about instilling a culture of self-belief, right? I mean, that might be one, one building block at a time, but it's about getting guys to believe in the talent that they have. And maybe the biggest criticism of Cavan has been that there is this incredible history here, there is this incredible passion, but I, the players might be second-guessed when they walk out of the pitch. Do we believe we can go out and beat Tyrone? Do we believe we can go out and beat a Kerry? Well, I think it all comes down to the actual group you have. If you have a group that believe... I mean, if, if Mickey said it there, I don't know, are the best players in the county playing, you'd hear stories coming out of Derry that sometimes they don't get the best club players in, that they don't want to commit to a county. Uh, I know in Kerry from past experience, everybody wanted to be there. Everybody knew coming in the door that there was expectations there and that's what they were going to do. Mm. But I mean, if you're, if you're coming in thinking the right guys aren't here, or if you're questioning this or questioning that, sure, you're on a loser straight away. I think you just have to be, whatever you have, you have, set out your stall and go for it. Like, you know, yeah. and I think belief comes with small little chunks, small little victories here in the league, small little victories even in training sessions. You know, you'll always look back to something that happened in a game, uh, a good away win in a league, Constantio coming into championship and creating an atmosphere that just surrounds itself. Like we were talking beforehand in the dinner, like, um, you know, the All Blacks, they're in town at the moment and mm. the fact that... They, I found it interesting, I read an article there where the management don't, don't actually speak to the team the day of the match. They don't speak to them collectively as a group. It's up to the players. Yeah, to the players, yeah. And they don't actually talk to them. They might talk to a player individually. Like They set out their style that the players drive it. The players actually uh, lead, I suppose. And they set the standards in what's going to be talked about in the dressing room in the morning of the game. And When we used to play with Kerry, we'd go up on the Saturday and you'd have an hour and a half of a meeting on the Saturday night where the coaches, you'd actually be drained from it. In the morning, you'd have a meeting before getting on the bus, another 20 minutes. And then inside, in the, the, it was like gearing yourself up three times, you know, and that's what we were used to. But, you know, I suppose it does come down. You need a special group of players as well. And it doesn't matter if you're Cavan or Dublin or Kerry or whoever. You set whatever goals you have, and they're your targets. Like. Is, it, is it like that with Dublin, Kieran? I mean, can you give us an insight into, say, the All-Ireland final on the day? Like, does Jim Gavin pass a lot of the final day responsibilities on to the players you're going to get no information <laughs> <laughs> give us fucking something Jim Gavin speak coming up now no but I mean how much ownership do the players take about what happens on the pitch on the day yeah like one of the things that Mickey said there is so important for us guys is the enjoyment piece that we're enjoying um, and as Tomas alluded to there Jim's very much a facilitator um, it has to be the core group of players that you have that are honest with each other, have the trust there. And the biggest piece for me is the enjoyment, the stories, the crack, the bond, the camaraderie, all that stuff. A reason why lads want to be there is to go on this special journey together. And it's actually for me, it's not the wins that you remember, it's the stories, it's the training camps, it's the crack. 
And that's why I love um, my club, Castlenock. We have so many Calvin people in the club. I, all, I love hearing about stories about games. I love hearing about what this referee, this lad did, this mother shouted in. Like, it's all about the crack and the journey and the stories. And I think that's why we have such a strong group, is because we have that bond together. And a lot of our guys as well, um, similar enough to Calvin, would have played with each other, minor, under 21. Like, for example, my year, I was born in 1993, and a big, I played hurling when I was younger, and a big decision for me to play for football was Brian Fenton was my age, Jack McCarthy was my age, Paul Manuel was my age, John Small was my age. So when I was seven, eight years of age, I used to mark Fenton, I used to mark McCaffrey, I used to mark Small, and that's just a special bond we had together. And boys and girls, the first All-Ireland final I played in, I lost against Tipperary, and we just kind of looked at each other afterwards and we said, we want to stick to this together. So it's actually the journey, the enjoyment, the bond, and then the trust, the honesty that you have within that group then as well. And then the perfect example is, if you have that belief that you said as well, the perfect example I give is Rathen U against St. Vincent's last year. Like we played against Vincent's, like they're better than most inter-county teams, but Rathen U had a belief that they could go out with their best 15 players and be Vincent's. That's because they're from they Wicklow, you know that? Yeah. And you're a Wicklow, Wicklow man as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's a wonderful answer. Absolutely nothing to do with the question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's pin it back to the... Okay, what I'm trying to get at here. So, Tyrone, make a great start in the All-Ireland Football Final. <laughs> 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 Told you he'd tell you nothing. <laughs> I was going to get something out of this. Here I'll take a night with this. Tyrone make a great start to the football final, right? They make a really good start against what many people expected. You lads never panicked. And what I'm trying to get at is, is that refusal to panic a result of your trust in yourselves, the trust in your Simpsons, the trust in what Jim Gavin has prepared you for, or what is it? Because you never panicked. You knew that a performance would come, and it did come. And that's what I'm trying to get at here. Yeah, like, there was only 10, 15 minutes gone in the game, yeah. and it's a 75-minute game, so we firmly believe in our ability, our game plan, each other. Like, even we look at each other during the game, body language, it's okay, stay nice and relax. I know Colin was telling me I should have drop-kicked the ball in a couple of more times. You saying, <laughs> close my eyes as well. But, but anyway, um, no, um, the big thing for us is the trust, and we knew that like, the, every, every, every team in any game gets their purple patch, they get momentum, so it was just all about us regaining momentum. And lucky enough, we won a couple of kickouts, we got a couple of scores, and then Mannion got the penalty, and then we're straight away back in the game. So it's all about just being patient, but also trusting your own ability. And it's easier said than done, though. You know, like it's an All-Ireland final. Tyrone, are, like, Tyrone, who have a history against Dublin, who have a, Mickey Hart as manager, who knows how to win these matches, it's, it's easy to say, let's sit back and trust in ourselves, but it's a very different thing, I imagine, in a capacity Crow Park, an All-Ireland final day, going for four in a row, to allow that to happen. You, like, you guys are obviously very cool under pressure. Yeah, it's, a, it's a big thing. Like, you'll always be saying to, to, to boys and girls, no, no matter what, like, like say, for example, you're a forward, you haven't touched the ball for 20... Like, for example, I didn't touch the ball for the first 15 minutes of the game. Like, um, and an easy thing if you're a boy or a girl is when you get the ball, you try and do everything with the ball, solo the ball, kick the ball over the, bo over the bar over your head. Mm -hmm. But no, you just... What you do is you look to do what makes the team... Get a, get, a, get a score, you know, get, a, get us back into the game. And that's completely in your mindset. Be calm when you're on the ball and make the right decision for the team. And that's the focus we have is just making the person beside us look better. And that's what I'm saying to the boys and girls. It's, everyone has so many different talents and skill sets within a team. And that's what makes a team so special. So everyone's got a role to do on the team. And I think that's massively important when you're in a group as well. Colm, I mean, can you relate to that trust? Did I answer that one, Colm? Did I? Yeah, what do you reckon? Out of 10. That was a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> Can you relate to that? I mean, back in, like, obviously the me team that you would play with as well, that trust and belief in yourself. 
And like, it's going to be a bit of a running theme here tonight, um, but that belief in yourself that you have what it takes to get over the line, not to panic under pressure, no matter what that pressure brings. Yeah, we, we had a sort of bit of a reputation that we came from behind in a lot of games yeah. and won games in the last 10 minutes. And I suppose if you do it once and twice, it, it sort of reinforces that belief that you have in yourself. And it's, it is about belief and a refusal to panic. And it's not like now Dublin have every game won before the last 10 minutes, but in a more competitive era, we always felt the last 10 minutes of the game is when the match will be won. And that's when we have to be going uh, stronger and faster and more disciplined than anything else and nobody to panic at those sort of times. And if we're three or four points behind with seven or eight minutes to go, there's still plenty of time to get scores. Now, it didn't always work out. Like we, we ran out of time against down in 91. I think we were 11 points behind at one time and ended up two behind. So, you know, it, it doesn't always work. But if you panic, you have no chance. And it takes a special type of player not to panic in big games because when the pressure is on, uh, people do stupid things. And it sorts out the men from the boys. You know, good players can play well in ordinary games. It really takes great players to perform under the pressure in Crow Park. And I suppose that's what makes Dublin so special and yeah. Kerry before them and the lads there. And it's great to be with two very special players here tonight, Kieran and Dermot. <laughs> <laughs> And Tomas and Kieran are here as well. But that was the di that's the difference, I think, which makes good players into great players. I mean, Kieran, can you relate, can you relate to that in terms of, I don't know, like it's, it applies across the board whether you're playing a junior C match, whether you're playing in the final Crow Park as well. You go out to the pitch, you want the best for your players. That ability to stay calm under pressure, I think, is what separates the team that gets to the end line versus the, the guys who fall by the wayside. Yeah, well, look, at there's, there's a lot of lads hey, I'd like to call big game players, you know, and, and some lads just have that bit of, bit of fire in their belly instilled in them. You know, you go back to great, looking for me, great carry players there, and even famous wards from some, Paddy O'Shea's to Luther there, it's Moss, like that bit of fucking mm -hmm. steely tough. Yeah. See, leading in one of them videos, you know. I, I suppose some, so, some players see their idol like that, and they want to grow up and want to be like that person, so... Um, Going there to the Dublin team there, it obviously is. Kieran is one of them. As he said, he lost to that minor final in, uh, to Tipperary in 2011, wasn't it, Kieran? And uh, like that just, that day they lost. So they didn't come out on top that day, but it was probably the resolve to show to come back. A lesson learned. To go one year later to go and win the All-Ireland Under-21 final, you know. So it is lessons learned, and that grows inside, you know. Are you one of those players? You're vice, you were vice-captain last year, so you, you must be one of those players that other guys look to. I mean, you must be, whether or not you want to admit that or not, I don't know, like, but you must be, in terms of, like, to have the tag of vice-captain means that other guys in the pitch must look to you for that kind of encouragement, that kind of inspiration, if you like, whether or not you realise it or not. Well, you know, when you're putting all your time and effort into football, you want to be the best player you can be, and you might as well, when you're there, you want to say it and instill it in other footballers. Again, you just want to give your best account of yourself, and if, if, if you're listened to and you're seen to be listened to, I suppose that's the role of the manager to give you that job. Um, uh, this is dangerous territory now, I'd say. Yeah, well, especially, uh, here, would yeah. you just fuck off there for a minute? <laughs> and let him speak, for God's sake. Don't be giving the evil eyes. He, he, he wants to be captain next year now. Captain. <laughs> Take a note out of Karen's boot there. <laughs> finish, finish that sentence, go on. Uh, 
I'm lost, lost the trade of thought. Myself and Kieran actually back uh, a few years ago when we were up in St. Pat's there actually. Uh, you played together, right? We played together, yeah. Right. So, uh, did you spot, kind of you spot the talent at that age or do you think, ah, oh, here's your man who puts on about six stones during the winter and he's no good for anyone? I don't know, no. Boots were lost for a few months early on in the year. He found them towards the end and came out for us towards the end, but unfortunately we didn't. The Garda College there were a few Morrises down there. The Garda College bet us that day, so they did, but uh, anyway. Dermot, just looking back, would you, like, looking back in your career now, and I talked to a lot of lads, even would have played again, rugby teams and myself, whatever, and looking back on lads, you could nearly spot guys in dressing rooms that would rise to the occasion, guys in the training pitch who would rise to the occasion, or guys who, who maybe just didn't accept as much responsibility when the chips were down as such. Is that a fair thing to say, that you can spot the kind of leaders in teams? Oh, I suppose, yeah. Like, you can see the leaders, as Kieran said, people talking and that. But, um, I know, we always had fair enough leaders. Paul Barden was there, the boys from Colm Kill, Mullinocht, all us. And to see, actually, uh, Mickey there is still supporting Mullinocht. He's not taking off the, the colours. He has them no. still on him. Bit of a statement of intent there, I think, is it? I think he's, he's not giving up yet, on it. <laughs> Yeah, but that's, so in dressing rooms and on, on pitches, and when you say guys who, who talk a lot, I mean, sometimes, you know, he who talks the least knows the loudest, there's an old expression there, so sometimes the lads who, who kind of shout the most are actually not the most tailor-made for leadership, if you like. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Maybe you can do your talking on the field, like, and not actually say much, but just uh, give us, go to count for yourself in the field, and people might follow in that, in that way, too. Yeah, Okay. I heard an interesting discussion, um, Tomas, with um, James Weldon, who, of course, was part of Eamon Fitzmaurice's backroom team. He's just been made coach of the Irish women's basketball team. And discussion this week about the role that basketball has, has had on Gaelic football. Now, we've had a proposal for, for rules to come in under trials under the GAA for the league coming up this season. So uh, one of the rules is that um, only two players from each team can be between the two 45s or kickouts. Obviously, no more than three consecutive hand passes before we have to do a kick pass. All sideline balls have to travel forward. And I presume this is an effort to increase the entertainment spectacle that is Gaelic football at the moment. Uh, maybe to stop the Doves doing 78 hand passes in a row before they kick it over to the bar, for whatever the reason. But would you be in favour of it as a kind of a first reaction, or do you think this is a bit of an overreaction? How do you feel about it at the moment? Um, I, I do think, geez, I think you could be here talking about the same thing all night. I, I, I think what's happened is the game has evolved and we had a team that won in All-Ireland playing defensive football. And I've no issue with the defensive football at all, at all. If, if it gets you an All-Ireland victory, you play it. And I, I have no issues with it. Do I like watching it? I don't, but it's still effective. Now, what you have as well, you're in an era where everybody's writing in the newspapers, everybody's commenting on social media, everybody's talking about it, they're giving out about the state of football, they're giving out about this, they're throwing out suggestions, and do you know, I don't know what way it'll go, you could actually go through every single one of those rules there and you could pick the pros and you could pick the cons and you could say which ones you think will work and which ones you don't. I think the bigger picture here for me personally, and I've said it for a good while now, is it's not the... I don't have an issue with the, with the so-called defensive teams. I have an issue with the teams that can't really beat them. And this year we saw, say, the Dubs will beat anybody. The Dubs will, will go out and they will beat. I, I'd even question, Kerry would still struggle with defensive teams. I think Kerry would struggle a lot more with Tyrone than the Dubs would. But I think if you see, everybody knows the Dubs can do it, but if you see other teams actually beating defensive systems fairly well, then you'll get other teams trying to break it down. We're all 
bogged down with, with, with how to play against it, but we should, how to actually play it, but we should be trying to beat it. Leash beat Carlo in the Leinster Championship this year, and it was a so-called weaker team beating a defensive system. And look, I, I think... I, I think we'll still be going on about it unless we try the That was a shocking game, though. I was at that game. It was a, it was a shocking game to watch. It's Just a shocking game. Look, it's, it's not good football to watch. You know, I think the basic skills of the catch and the kick and, and the long-range scoring is gone. And everybody's been talking about the dubs that they, that they hold on to the ball until they get a score. Why wouldn't they? Mm. You know, why wouldn't you hold on to the ball? You're yeah. coughing up possession. If there's 15 or 12 or 13 fellas in front of you, of course you're, you're not going to bait it in. You'll only get... Do you know, it's coughing up position, and I do think that, um, I think the rules, look, they need to be tried, and I think they're right to try it in the National League. Um, will they work? I, I, I'd, I'd like to see how the kick-out will work. Uh, the hand pass, look, a fella says to me, sure, if there's a guy five yards away, you'll see fellas just tapping the ball to each other close. If everybody drops back, sure, they'll only be tapping it around until the teams come out. I think if a team wants to play defensive, they'll look at the rules and they'll say, right, how do we come around this? It won't change the actual attitude towards offensive football. Yeah. The best chance, you cannot go down to Carlo and say, geez, you, did, you had a bad season. They had a great season. For Carlo, they had a great season. There's a mm. buzz in the county. Mm-hmm. And it's very, I think it's very wrong to kind of say you're playing wrong football. I'd look at the teams who can't beat Carlo. That's what I'd look at. What do you think? I mean, Colin, like, there is a sense that Gaelic, something needs to be done with Gaelic football. This is a general kind of attitude that the game is, is, is suffering because, A, obviously hurling is, is so exciting and it's so high-scoring, but equally that there have been too many, one, mismatches in Gaelic football and two, too many games that are just based on defensive zonal systems and actually as a spectacle for people paying in through the door, it's not where it should be. These new trial rules, if you like, are an attempt to try and address some of that. What's your own gut feeling on it? Well, there's a, a big difference, I think, between uh, county football and club football and, say, underage football. We were, St. Pat's and Navin were playing Mullingar in the first round of the championship on Tuesday in Navin, and it was a brilliant game of football. Plenty of long kicking, sort of traditional type, 4-10 to 2-9, I suppose I'd say it was a brilliant game. We won, but <laughs> it had a lot of the traditional aspects of football. I think it's right to try and encourage... Uh, more kicking in the game. Like Tomas says, I don't know whether after three hand passes some of the Dublin players will just kick it back to somebody and to start another sequence of three because, you know, in the past when we were playing against Dublin, they weren't very bright, but I think they're all able to count to three now. <laughs> so there's a bit, of a, a bit of a problem there for teams. So, but it's right to try something. Uh, the sideline kicks have to go forward. I would have liked to see that all free kicks had to go forward. Okay. I think that that would have been. We trialed these games with, with the school. We played a few matches. We played Pat's Cavan actually a couple of weeks ago. And the rules didn't affect the game greatly because young fellas tend to move the ball. So I think it probably wasn't a fair reflection of what's going to happen. And the only way to try it is at senior level. And most managers at county level, they'll complain and give out and whinge and moan because that's what a lot of them do because they don't want anything to change the game the way they play it. So I I don't know. The game at county level is very unattractive. The only good team to watch most of the time, in fairness, is Dublin. They do play good football a lot of the time. Now, they've gone into a lot of hand passing when they get in front and probably not attacking as much as they used to. But Dublin, take out Dublin and maybe a couple of others. 
It's not a very attractive There is this game. sense that, 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 that a lot of basketball systems have come into the game of Gaelic football. I mean, Jason Sherlock's influence with Dublin. Um, you know, you talk about Kieran Donaghy as well, Aidan O'Shea. I mean, you could go on. There, there seems to be the systems that are employed in basketball around maintaining possession and waiting for that gap to appear. Screens, on and off ball screens, have come into the game now. And that these rules won't wipe away any of that. No, it won't, and, but the ratio of kicking to hand passing, I think, is one to five now in the big game. So something needs to be done to, to try and... That rule about the midfield being left free, that's not going ahead because we tried that. That was just chaotic. Okay. But I'm going to be very interested to see if the forward mark works. In other words, that teams can kick the ball in and maybe it'll bring back the, the burly forward, like Kieran here who could be kept inside. He did score a great goal against Tyrone and he was in there at full forward in the league, wasn't it, up in Oma? Yeah. So, you know, you can have... I'd love to see uh, uh, the mark inside. I hope it works. But we're not going back to uh, John Joe O'Reilly or the Gunnar Brady or Mick Higgins. We're not going back to that era, but no. I think we could have a better brand of football with these rules. Mick, what... Have you got a style you would like to implement? Is there an ideological style that you like? Or do you have to, as a coach, assess what you have? Here's my strengths, here are my weaknesses in the squad, and I will come up with a game plan according to what I have in front of me, rather than saying, this is the way I'd like to play, and it, no matter what I have, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I think um, every manager has a style of play that they like, but unfortunately when every game is different, that depends on the opposition you're playing against. So if you're playing against a real defensive team, obviously you're going to set up differently, and if you're playing against a real attacking team, obviously you're going to set up differently. So you just have to adjust as you go along. This thing about systems and having game plans is fine, but what if the game plan's not working? You have to have a plan B. And I suppose, I th personally, I think um, the Gaelic is looking at the Horland and saying, what's, what's going right there? I think the difference in the Horland is you have so many teams competitive in the Horland. You have eight to nine teams that are all on the same level, whereas in the Gaelic football at the moment you have one or two teams that's a standard above everybody else. Um, personally, looking at the club football within Cavan and Longford in the last two years, I can see a mindset change there. I can see teams are starting to play more attacking football. The Cavan County Final this year was probably one of the best county finals in my memory, and I've been involved in a lot of them as a player. And I would have to say it was the most enjoyable game I was at in a long, long time, and I think the people in this room would agree with that. And also, the Longford replay was a better final than the drawing game. <laughs> so that's, you know, and, and I just even see it in clubs where when this defensive football came in four or five years ago, every club adapted it. But mm. now I think teams club teams are looking and saying well, you know what let's go find a way and I think it's starting to change and what Colm says there might be one or two rules that you could introduce to change it for instance if you get a line ball in the middle of the field what's, what's everybody going to do they're going to sit behind the 45 and say you know what kick it into us yeah. so there, there is we tried it in training that right here <laughs> what about a shot clock what about a shot clock like, like basketball shot clock 24 seconds what about obviously a little bit longer for Gaelic football but what about limiting the amount of time a team has in possession before they at least have a go at shooting? I mean, but that's something that you think would work? Yeah. Well, we are going away from basketball here. Well, uh, no, I, just, I, I, I think the game has gone... Uh, look, I'm not an expert at all, but just, you know, just looking at matches and looking, talking to lads as well who know a lot more than I do that the game has gone very like basketball systems. And I'm just wondering if, you should, if, you, if you're going to play a game that's, you know, that's very like the systems that they use in that sport, they have 
made solutions to combat what has been a boring game in the NBA up to 40 years ago with things like shot clock, you know, you, know, you, can't, go, you can't pass, uh, you go forward, the, once you go past the halfway line, you can't go back again. And I'm just wondering, is there tinkering that more could be done to Moss to improve what we're seeing as a spectacle and for entertainment value? Because there has been a lot of negative coverage around the top tier game, the Inter-County game over the last kind of year and a half, two years. Yeah, look, I, I think the lads have said it. I think we're, we're all trashing it out and there's been every kind of a guy has put out what they think will work and what should be tried. And I think they've, in fairness to the GA, they put a committee together. They're after throwing them out on the table. They're after coming with five or six of them and we should see how they work. And as I said, you'll pick holes. You'll always have a fella that will, after the National League, settle down for the, for the latter rounds of the National League and say, right, this has happened in the first couple of games. How do we counteract that? I don't care what rules you'll put in. You'll always have that. But I do think that teams like the likes of Tyrone, Mickey said it there. There is a tiny bit of a shift. Tyrone did not set up against the Dubs like they did last year. Yeah. And they know they cannot beat them by playing that. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's, that's with Tyrone and the Dubs. But you see, down, down lower, Tyrone would get away with that against 80% of the, 85% of the teams in the country. And that's where your issue is. So I do think if rules are brought in like that, it might help. It might change it up. And it might change the attitude towards teams preparing and teams coaching. Because we can be here and we can be talking it all night, but if we don't see six or seven games of it being played and watched properly by, by the best teams in the country, we, we, we won't know how to judge it. Dermot, uh, there's proposals, I think, going before Central Council Saturday week to explore at least a two-tier championship. And this is obviously... This has been kind of brought out before time and time again. It's been shot down by a number of the so-called weaker counties because everybody wants to crack at Sam McGuire. But under these terms, as I understand it, some of the um, counties in Division 3 and Division 4, they compete in their provincial championship. If they're knocked out, they get round one of the qualifiers and then they go into a, a kind of a Tier 2 All-Ireland Championship, if you like. Do you think that's a positive move? Do you think that was something that might be welcomed? by inter-county teams? Yeah, I think it would. Like, um, like, sure, Dublin is pushing on there. No one seems to get near them. But, like, I remember Tommy Murphy Cup was tried a few years ago and it didn't really last too long. That's just what I'd be afraid of. Would it, would it stick, like, yeah. just after watching the Tommy Murphy Cup back there a few years ago? Because the problem is that, obviously, you have a lot of guys, you know, Wicklow being my own county as well, former Tommy Murphy Cup champions, one of the greatest days in our history. But you go back to, you know, guys who want to commit themselves for the summer, but probably know deep within themselves that they might only have one provincial game, one qualifier, and that's it. They get an offer maybe to go to America, they go somewhere else, offer to somewhere, they say, well, look, you weigh it up, why would it stick around? This might be a decent way of, of solving that issue. Yeah, I know, I'd agree with you. I think it's definitely worth a shot because there is some teams aren't getting much of a run. Once they're beaten in the provincial, then they have the qualifiers, and then if they don't want, like, I'd say it's definitely worth a shot and see how it goes. Yeah, what you, Karen, like, I, mean, terms of, I don't think it's any slight if you give every county an opportunity to go for the All-Ireland Championship. You, everyone has an even keel on the first go, but then if circumstances dictate or defeats dictate that you go into a second-tier championship, do you think that's something that the players might embrace, that players from different counties might embrace? I, d I don't know. Now, there's been these surveys before, and I suppose it's come out that the players do want to stick with the, the format the way it is. Like The, the pinnacle for every inter-county footballer is to win Sam be it narrow-minded for some to want to go the whole way, others, realistically, it's not, it's not a goal that's achievable mm. in a realistic margin. So it's difficult to say. Um, 
Like if you, just to take a sample, so say you start off in, in the Ulster Championship, you get to the Ulster quarterfinals, say you got knocked out, you go through a qualifier and you lose your first round qualifier. Is, it, is the prospect of going into another championship, I suppose a second tier championship, and more games throughout the summer representing Cavan, something that you think that you might enjoy, or do you think, no, once you're beaten in the championship, that's it. We don't want to play anymore because obviously we're not good enough. How do you view it? I suppose I'd be in favour of that. Like you look at every county tier, and you might have 42 ca uh, clubs, for instance, here in Cavan, and it's and it's tiered, and that's the way it works. If you're senior, intermediate, and junior, but that's what we're used to being. And maybe being Irish, we're all just always used to. We don't want change. Yeah. And I suppose that's what everybody's afraid of in the country. Tearing it, you won't get your chance. Mm. And whether it be the people wouldn't feel privileged going for a lower a lower trophy. Mm. I don't know what the views and other people, but. I suppose realistically, if it was given time, I think it would definitely be a measure that it it did last well, and and players would take to it because to get an opportunity at silverware. And you look at your national leagues now; it's becoming one of the best platforms for football in the country because it's similar standard teams and, against yeah, each other. And no matter if you're getting to an NFL Division Two final or three final, you cherish that success that you get. And you know, for some teams, that final, like Carlo and Leash in the Division Four final this year, that was probably bigger for them than any championship game they had. So it's kind of it's kind of merging in. It's nearly becoming on a par with the championship for some teams. That's really you know, good. It's a realistic. You look at Leitrim there across yeah. the road, just carry gallons over the border. Like you can hear some of the Leitrim people talking. Uh, they're, they're just eyeing up the league. Yeah. So they're eyeing up Crow Park and National League appearance in April. There isn't much war the championship for them. They were scumming in the first round. So look at for some for some counties. I think the Woods, the Woods like the change. So. We'll see, I'd say, the measures. That's a really good point as well, Con. Like the league is held up as a sta like it, it's, it's so entertaining because you have teams of a silver standard in divisions competing against each other, and you get these incredible matches across all four divisions. Yes, I, uh, Kieran makes the point that I'd have always made. Like, why is the All-Ireland different than, say, the county championships? Like in Mead, you have senior, intermediate, and junior, and everybody fits in. And if you win the junior championship, it's just as big an achievement for the club as the team who wins the senior. And like, the big thing for me always is that there should be three tiers. There's, there's more than two. But the promotion of it is important, that it has to give a profile in Crow Park, as big a profile on All-Ireland Day, maybe with the, the A final, if you want to call it that, that players get the same rewards, that you'd have an all-star system based on people playing in the different groupings and that they would get maybe a foreign trip or something else from it as well. So that players and county boards would get finance out of it so that it would be promoted properly and that the players from those counties wouldn't feel that they were playing in an inferior competition. Kieran, how many times have you played for Cavan and Crow Park? Twice. 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 Well, this is the point. Cavaner is entitled to play in Crow Park as Mead or Dublin or Kerry. And I think that players from every county, first of all in the league, should be given at least one game every year in Crow Park. I was speaking to Emlyn Mulligan from Leitrim, and he said, how long has he played? Ten years for Leitrim? He never played in Crow Park for Leitrim. So that's not fair on, on weaker counties. So there has to be competition. They have to be given a profile in Crow Park, like all the top teams, and that they give an opportunity to play in this secondary or if it was a senior, intermediate and junior, that it's all run off on an All-Ireland weekend. Everybody gets a trip abroad and things like that. That would help promote it. It's the Tommy Murphy Cup died because nobody was any interested in the game. The finals were being fixed for 
out-of-the-way places, and nobody, nobody said that, or nobody in the end was interested in it, and I think that was the problem. It died through neglect. The concept is good, but... Wicklow loved it. Yeah, well, I suppose Wicklow would like any competition that could win a game. And so, <laughs> in fairness, so. um, okay, I, just but it, it, it is, yeah. it's the right competition. And like people say about to me, if the competition was run now and you had two tiers, Mead would be in the second tier. And people would say, ah, oh, yeah, but you'd have a different opinion if that happened. And as far as I'm concerned, if that's our level, that's our level. Mm. And it's up to us to go and play and get out of there and stop complaining about it. If we're second-rate team, well, it's up to us to prove it. Okay, a couple of things before we throw it out to the floor for questions. Um, Kieran, five in a row. History beckons and all that. Are you nervous? <laughs> uh, I'll do a column that said I'm good at I'll dodge that question again. <laughs> um, on, on the, just on the, the, the main thing the players want is more games. Um, yeah. There's so much training, dedication, commitment, sacrifice for your family, your friends, your community, that players just want more games. And the other thing is, I don't think there's ever been so much discussion and narration about the games, and I don't think there needs to be too much changed. Um, and it's no, it's no coincidence that the top teams play offensive football. If you look at the likes of Kerry, Mayo, ourselves, and even this year, Tyrone, hmm. when they really went out of Sonoma, um, like, they, they nearly... Um, if Ron O'Neill scored that point, there only would have been one point in the game. So I think there's going to be an evolution in the games. And in the next couple of years, and Mickey was telling me early, earlier on that he's promised me that Cavan are going to play attack and offence of football next year. So um, <laughs> I, I just Not think that... about it. The, bl <laughs> the black <laughs> death. But I, but I just think uh, teams are starting to see that the way forward is to play offensive football. Because when you're playing against the f defensive teams... The, like the likes of Mead or other counties like that. Um, <laughs> or but, Kerry. No, but, but offensive is, is, is the way to go. Well, you have to be obviously structurally sound at the back, but yeah. you can see the top teams are really going at the games, and I think that's the way it needs to be brought forward. But I think the game's in, in, in a good place, um, but um, I, I don't know about the competitions. I just think players want more games, so if there's any way that could be facilitated. He um, would say that, wouldn't he? Yeah. Game absolutely. is in a good place. Um, Tomas, uh, life on the Sunday game? Gone well? Are you enjoying it? Yeah, it's good. Um, it, it could be better. You could avoid Joe Brawley a little bit more, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, it, it's good. No, I'm enjoying it. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect to get involved or whatever. I was just asked out of the blue, and I didn't really speak to, to, to anybody really when I was playing, so it was strange. Yeah. But um, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's good. It's Have good you read Des Cal's book yet? Uh, I, I don't really read I, I told him I read it <laughs> tell us <laughs> and you told him it was brilliant as well fantastic read um, <laughs> tell us there's, a, there's an old story about yourself so this, for people who don't know so the lads come in to the Sunday game basically and um, they'd arrive in the kind of early morning and they'd have a cup of coffee and they'd have their kind of gear to wear on the, on the TV that night, so it might be the old suit and the, and the shirt. And the kind of tradition is they'd, they'd meet the editor, Rory O'Neill, and, and they'd go down to wardrobe, and they'd drop the suit and the shirt off to the heads down the wardrobe. They'd have it all pressed and ironed and ready to go for it by the time they get out onto the TV that night. So the, the clothes look presentable and all that kind of stuff. But you've gotten a bit of bother there. <laughs> Not not too long into your Sunday game career, with the, with, with the wardroom situation. Do you want to just fill us in on that, Tomás, if you don't mind? What I did, you did. I did. I, did. I, I, um, I landed up there, and it is, it's, 
like you said there, you come in in the morning and it's a fierce long day above there and Colin would know it as well. But on a Sunday, it's quiet inside there because everybody's not working there. The newsreaders are in there or whatever it is. So you come in and you actually, in fairness, they treat you well. You come downstairs and it's not as if you come in with your suit and a ball or anything, but you hand your suit in and they'll iron it for you and everything like. So one day I was, I was actually walking in there and... The guys that'd be there, you'd see Brian Dobson, and he'd have a big rack, and the guys that are there constantly, Colin O'Rourke has a huge rack inside there. And <laughs> I, I called in with my, my suit, and one day, I actually didn't know if I was going to wear a white shirt or a blue shirt, you know, the problems you'd have or whatever, but I walked in, and I said, look, I don't know what shirt I'm wearing, and in fairness, no, this girl was sitting beside, behind the counter, and she was doing not, not much, as far as I could see, and she said, sure, I'll do both of them, so I was walking out, and I said, what is it? I brought up six shirts the following week. <laughs> <laughs> and I was getting away with it. I was actually getting away with it for... Nothing against my wife, no, but my mother looked after me very well. Uh, I was getting away with it for ages, and I made an awful mistake of, of telling um, Des Cahill, like, and it eventually had to stop. But Des says, that's bad, Tomas. And I says, it's not Des. Sure, I'm telling them I'm Desi Dolan. <laughs> And poor Desi on the hook for seven shorts a week for the last two weeks. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, look, it's been great. we're going to actually open up. Have we got a, a microphone to go around? Uh, I think we do for, for any questions for the lads out there. Is Niall actually? Uh, yeah, we have one here. Okay, brilliant. So if anyone has a question for the panel, yeah, we have a question down the back there. Last row on the right, please, if you don't mind. Is it on? We got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is probably more of a, an observation than a question, and it's probably towards uh, Mickey and the best of luck in your new career. But um, in 2011, we were beaten by Michael Murphy in an under-21 final and won the subsequent four finals. And uh, Paul Fitzpatrick is here tonight, and he had a very interesting article in the Anglo-Celt a few months ago that was 73, 74 players that were involved over that five years. Um, he was wondering, like, what, I, what I'm wondering myself is what happened. We all know the players were all involved in club football in the county, but a lot of fellas that were starring that time, uh, we beat Tyrone, I think, twice. Donegal, Alan Michael Murphy, better in the first one. So I'm just wondering, like, we were competing that time and had no fears of any of the top teams in Ulster, going four in a row, but it all seems to have gone a bit pear-shaped. A lot of players missing, uh, not committing, and I'm just wondering, like, the, in, from the panel generally, like, you know, in Dublin, probably they moved on, lost a minor, won the under-21, with a dubious referee indecision down in Tullamore. But I'm just wondering, especially from Mickey... Was that you chasing after the ref, was it? No, not, no it wasn't me, <laughs> but I felt like it, all right. But, um, but I'm just wondering where, where are the players gone and will Mickey and maybe the county board and various coaches and whatever happened to that, that 70 players because if you look at the county team for the last couple of years, there's not a lot of them involved and I'm glad to hear that Mickey is going to start looking to see these boys back. We could compete at the top level a few years ago and it seems to have gone pear shape since. So I just wonder what the panel will think of that. Um, yeah, where do I start? Uh, I suppose the first thing was, 
you know, after under 21 level, no more than when I was playing myself, a lot of lads, you know, move on and, you know, just get fed up of the game and lose, you know, lose the hunger for it and lose the love, love of the game. But I think personally, and I could be wrong here, I think winning those four Ulster Championships under 21 at the time was great for Cavan football. And I suppose Colm mentioned it there, we, we played a very negative brand of football. I believe the windows, but it was, it got us success and it was great that it did get us four Ulster under 21 titles. But, you know, was it enough to push on after that? Um, personally, I don't think so. And I think a lot of the players, if you look, that we lost in those years was forwards. That's what we lost. Um, I look at the forwards at those teams and, and, you know, I look down through the programmes the last number of months looking where these players are. And when I look at that under-21 team, it was littered with forward, defenders in the forward line. So you had one or two natural forwards playing in your forward line. And I think I know talking to one player in particular, and I asked him, what, what happened? Why are you not? Why, why do you not want to play for Cavan? Why do you not want to play football for Cavan? He goes, sure, why would I? He says, he says, all they want is defenders playing. He says, they don't want the natural forward anymore. And I just think that lads, especially forwards and midfielders, especially that like to attack, just seeing that it was something they didn't want to be part of. And I think that was, and no disrespect to those teams that won, it was great. But I just think, you know, when they moved on to senior level, it was the same tack. And then where other teams moved on, Cavan failed to move at the times and got left behind and players realised, you know, this isn't happening for me. And I think that's a lot to do with it. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's my personal opinion on it. Okay, great stuff. Um, have we got any more questions before we wrap it up? Yeah. Okay, have we got a microphone? Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah so my name is Patrick Morton. I'm a Cavan man living in Monaghan now, you know. So hey, I played football with, uh, with junior club here in, in Cavan. Played in Merrick then for five years and then came back and living in Monaghan. Now, I played for 20 years. The biggest regret is that I couldn't play for another 20, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I met a world of players, friends, during that time. One, I didn't really win anything, but uh, it was a different era then. Now, the game now, I don't really be involved in the game now because the, the, the standard of football and the entertainment value is, I don't like to use the word depressing, you know? And Why do I, you say that? hand pass has destroyed the game. Now, I believe myself that there needs to be, that what's going to need to happen here is there's going to be actually another party needs to be set up in the GAA which are interested in bringing real change. I spoke on the local radio uh, Northern Sound this year, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it's, it's, uh, Do you think that the three-limit hand-pass then is a step towards that change? Is that something you welcome? What's happening here is because of the regime, a lot of the players are being forced out of the game. And when you're playing football and you're forced out before your time, you're losing out on so much opportunities to meet new people by being involved in the game. I played, I said, I met a world of people and you lose out on that opportunity. That's one, 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 real, one place you lose out there. You're meeting people through being involved in the, in the GA. Because you don't have a medal, or don't have an All-Ireland medal, doesn't make you less a person, in my view. Absolutely, yeah. You know, being involved. So we're going to have to, I think, my view is to set up an organisation. I've actually wrote into the independent newspapers 
recently, but it didn't get, it didn't, and I'll, I'll give a copy to maybe Colm to, to have a read over it, you know? Colm, you're, you're a good man. You make a lot of sense in what you're saying. What would you think of another organization being set up in the GAA, one man from each county, you'd have a mandate from each club and each county, and you would go up and sit down at Congress and you'd say, listen, gentlemen, with respect, we're here to make some real changes and we'll need them now. Would you, what would your view be on that? And would you lead? Because, I mean, you have some great ideas and you talk a lot of sense all day long. You would be a good man to lead the like of that. And I think you get a mandate or a, or a support from every club in the county. And, so, so, you know, another, so, another, so basically a body within the GA to propose changes to the game to make it a better game. Is that something well, that's available? We have the GPA, Kieran and, Derm and, uh, Kieran and Dermot. They were all... Were you in the GPA, Tomás? I was, yeah. Yeah, so like, that's, <laughs> that's one body yeah. that's supposed yeah. to promote change. We have the Club Players Association. They're looking for changes. So I don't know whether there's any need for any more bodies to, to promote change. I just have, on, on the radical side, as I get older in the GEA, and my view is that we need radical change to the competition structure. It'll never come in my time, but I'd like to get rid of all the provinces. I think that they don't do anything for the game at all and I'd like to see uh, major changes in the rules, but I'm going to keep that up. I'd prefer to be, I, I prefer to be a, a lone wolf on the outside trying to agitate for these things. Okay, thanks very much for that. Have we another question? Yeah, we have a hand up here on the side. Yeah, just over to the right-hand side, yeah, in the middle. Have we got a microphone? Yeah, we got you there now. So we'll take another three questions, if that's okay, and... Um, then we'd all go for a point, I think. Okay, yes, sir. Yeah, a, a situation that didn't make the new rules that I th thought should have made it was a situation where a player in possession is surrounded by three or four players. He's pummeled, pulled, dragged, and knocked down. And uh, to add to the frustration of spectators and players, the referee blows the whistle and gives a, a, a free against him. Does the panel think that the number tackling a player in possession should be limited to maybe two. Okay, well, Tomás, as, a, as a, one of the greatest halfbacks of the game, I mean, is, what's your view on this? You have uh, a half forward surrounded by three or four lads who are all pulling, pushing, and jostling. You know, referee blows the whistle to free out. Do you think that the forwards need more protection? I can get an answer to this one, but. I don't know, we were always told if, if you were caught in possession with three or four, there has to be three or four bodies that are free around the place. Um, to move it on quickly uh, but I do get your point but I think they brought in the mark from the kick out to kind of counteract that that fellas were surrounded I think the first time we encountered that was in 2003 against Tyrone but you have to say for the likes of Tyrone for the likes of they're allowed to tackle it's within the rules they're allowed to chase down they're allowed to, to, to harry um, I, I, I do think and everybody talks about the, the players that the dubs have and all that the thing I admire most about the Dubs is they move the ball quickly. Whether it's a hand pass or whether it's a kick, there's nobody carrying ball into certain situations. You'll never see a Dub kick a ball to a guy who's surrounded by three or four guys. It rarely happens that they're turned over. 
And it's not as if it's rocket science. It's just moving the ball and being clever with it. Like. And I don't think you could bring in a rule. I think they brought in the mark, which if a player catches a high ball in three, within three or four players and is down on the ground, I think it is unfair after making a huge catch that you are surrounded. And I think the mark was good in that regard. It gives the guy a chance, even though most guys play on anyway. But, no, I mean, if, if, if fellas are constantly, constantly getting... Uh, a certain team or a certain whatever getting constantly surrounded by five or six players, I'd be looking at the team themselves rather than that. Kieran, do you think forwards need more protection? Or are you happy enough that you, you have, uh, I suppose, the equipment to, to use other teammates and get the ball away if you're so minded? How do you feel about it? Yeah, similar enough to, to Tomas. Um, I'd be giving out to the lad getting in that position in the first place because teams like Tyrone and Arman, teams like this, um, they practice this in training, it's called the swarm tackle, so I, as Tomas alluded to there, is the important thing is to keep the ball moving. And protection for forwards, um, Colin told me a good one there, uh, recent back in his day, he said, elbows aren't for picking your nose, he says. So that was his kind of trick back in the day, was, was the old elbows. Um, I don't think that's going on anymore, but um, yeah, I don't know what you think about that one, Colin. But I don't think it's possible to have a situation where you could limit tackling a player to one. Uh, and uh, I suppose the handy thing would be ban Tyrone out of the championship. That might help a lot of other teams. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, think, I think that the game evolves. And when you bring in one rule, you always have the, the law of unintended consequences from it. So... You have to be careful that by making changes to the game that it gives rise to a lot of other problems and that's, that's, that's one of the issues. I think the simple way would, if you want to return to a game where the ball is transmitted forward quickly, is that you would limit the game to one hand pass. One hand pass must be followed by a kick. Then you would have a completely different type of game. Yeah, okay, all right, good question. Uh, next one, be, yeah, up the front here, we've got couple of lads looking, yeah, okay, one at the back and then we'll come up the front after this, so yeah. Oh, okay, hang on there lads, for one second, so yeah, go ahead first. Uh, my question's for uh, Colm, and it is, uh, how does he feel his mid-team would uh, fare against the current Dublin team? That's a great question, that's a brilliant question. We wouldn't beat them by much now, I'd say seven <laughs> or eight points. <laughs> it would be tightened up until the last ten minutes on a serious end. <laughs> and the only thing about it is the game would need to be played and there wouldn't want to be any cameras at it and there wouldn't want to be a referee. <laughs> and there want to be and five ambulances <laughs> on standby for the Dublin one, players. One year we're playing Dublin, you're not supposed to say these things, but Mick Lyon said in his dressing room before a Leinster final with Dublin, he says, if you're going to fucking do one of these lads, do them in the first ten minutes, you won't be sent off. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> Great question. But I would well say, done. Super. I think Dublin are, I'd have to say, I think Dublin are the best team I have seen. So, you know, eras change and the type of play changes, uh, but I think there's half a dozen Dublin players now are probably the best individual players that I have seen apart from some of the Kerry players. So that's, that's uh, I would say, the best, the best team that I have seen is the present Dublin team. Okay, speaking of which, Tomás, just give us an insight, if you can. David Clifford, like, he seems to have everything, speed, power, I mean, the size of the lad for 
the age he is as well, but like equally his pace, his agility, his, his footballing skills. Potentially, how good is this guy? I suppose I'd always say he's as good as what's around him. You know, and this year, for him to, to come in from a minor and for Kerry to have maybe six or seven of their kind of regular players that have been around a good few years who didn't step up to the plate who weren't dominant around midfield and this fellow was still banging even against Galway yeah. a disastrous game for Kerry he's still out of scraps was, was kicking three or four points from play and he is a special talent and everybody thought that you know he walled through the minors and he was so far ahead of everybody else that he wouldn't do it at senior level and I don't think anybody the, 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 the lads that I would talk to who know their football didn't think he'd have the impact he did but I think it's going to be hard on him the next few years but I think if he has the support around him I think there's no reason why I think the one thing Kerry have at the moment which will always always give you hope is they have good forwards so if you have Paul Ganey kicking if you have Shawnee Shea kicking and if you have Clifford kicking you have a good chance so yeah. you know he, he's made some start and only for him I think the whole Super 8s things would have been questioned only for that goal above. Like, you know, Kerry would have been out after game two and everybody would have been questioning that. Um, on the, on the, I think Mikko Dwyer was at a function lately enough and he was asked the same question. You know, would his team have beaten the current the Dublin Dubs, team? Yeah. And he said they'd only beat him by about six. He says they're old now. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, lads, who has the mic? Go for it. This question is for Kieran or Kieran Kilkenny. Um, what's it like in the dressing room when you're about to play a game for the four in a row? Pre-Tyrone match. What was it like? Yeah, it's it's funny. You'd be in the dressing room and so many different lads have so many different routines. Like you always would have Stephen Crooks and them, Evan Comfort in, inside in the green room practicing their kick-out stuff with our goalkeeping coach. Um, you might have another lad, James McCarthy, while well, he's getting round up before games, so he could be bouncing his head off the wall. Um, <laughs> you, have, you have another lad that's just in the showers listening to music. Um, myself, I just like smiling and having the crack and being relaxed. Because like, you put so much hard work and preparation to it that you're, you're ready like, and you're just excited for the actual moment. But every person has their own individual routine. But the, the most special moment for me is... Um, when we go out before the game and you're in the circle with all your different players and you're just looking at each other in the eye, ready to go to battle and how energising that is and it just, your adrenaline's pumping and then as you see when I walk out that tunnel, it's just an incredible feeling, that music da -da -da -da, da -da -da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just incredible and you go out to the field like, that's what you train for, that's what all the hard work is for that special moment to unite with all those different players from all over the county that's how special it feels for me. Yeah, Drummer, just a, like a second-tier championship, you know, if, if all counties had a chance to go into the hat to win the All-Ireland, but through various different means and mechanisms, they end up in a second-tier championship, and the chance to run out in Crow Park in a final. It is a final. Like, if you get to, this, obviously, the last, the last two standing, would that not be a huge incentive, a huge carrot for, for teams that might otherwise never get there and never get to experience what Kieran has just talked about? No, I'd agree with you, yeah, like, we ran out a few times against Dublin, and, and look, we never probably had a, much of a chance, but if you were going out against a team that you were, probably had a chance to, yeah, it would be great, and it'd be great to get a run out in Crow Park, and, and put it up to another team, and if you could lift silverware, it'd be great, 
we won a Division 3 title league up there against, against Wexford. Yeah. And it was great to walk up the steps of Crow Park and, and lift the cup, you know. So if you had an achieve, a chance to do that, I think it would work, yeah. And that's the argument here, is like that every player should have that chance. And, and look, I suppose, just by the very nature of competition, you know, teams won't have that chance as the current structure is. But if you could level the playing field, you know, with the proviso that everyone gets the chance to compete for Sam Maguire, but after that, if you could level the playing field certain what and give the teams that, that didn't quite get to that stage a chance to get to Croke Park, that'd be huge, wouldn't it? Well, realistically, there probably just should be more silverware there up for grabs. Um, I think the game probably would be in a, healthier game, in, a, in a healthier place if there was more teams winning. And like um, Colm and the boys alluded earlier on, a junior team there in the club championship, a junior team celebrates as well as the senior championship yeah. team might do after final. So there probably should be more silverware made available for the county teams because at the end of the day, success is what you want. It doesn't matter what your aim is. If it's laid out for you and you know that's it, winning and getting over the line is the, is the, is the pinnacle for what that team is about. So I suppose it is the way forward. I suppose everyone probably needs to revise their ideas and just... That's the way it's going also to go. Really, you, I mean, you can't tell me that there isn't a single pair that you played with last year that didn't train as hard as any of those dubs did as well in getting to All-Ireland. And, and that's the thing. It's, it's, the, it's the effort put in versus the reward that's there at the end of the day. And I think that, that probably most people would feel there needs to be a more level playing field for that regard. Well, again, it's going down to having a healthier game. Um, every senior in the county team is putting in at least five, six sessions a week. But realistically, in the back of the head, you might have 10 lads on a 30-man panel, 36-man panel is thinking... What am I here for? Am I going to win? Personally, I, I, that's just the drive in me. I always think that way. But you do know there's people there that know they're not going to win. And I suppose they're gaining nothing from it. And the game is just going to... Be, people are going to become more cynical. Footballers are going to become more cynical. And I suppose yeah. that's why they're probably opting out. Because it's becoming the easy option. Yeah. You know? Okay. Great stuff. All right. Another question from the front. Um, well, I have a question for Colm. Um, if there was a transfer window in Gaelic football, who would you buy for your team? Oh, jeez, that's a great question as well. That's a super question. <laughs> transfer window. You have as much money as you'd like to spend, Colm. Who would you buy from Mead right now? And you well, can't say Kieran Kilkenny. <laughs> well, I think that the obvious fellas would be Brian Fenton and Kieran and David Clifford. I suppose if you were to get three... Could I be Abramovich and get enough to buy three fellas? I think they'd make the big difference for me anyway. I think if we had those three, you could build a team around them. What's the one area that you feel need, need to improve on, by the way? Just for, for Mead? Me? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and bear in mind, we only have... Have you a long night? Another hour. <laughs> no, but if I, if, do you, is there one... Deficiency, if you like, is there one area that you, you really feel you could benefit from, like a, a strong midfielder, somebody to put the ball over the bar? We've been slightly unfortunate in that some of the best players we've had for the last while have got injured and haven't been able to... And, and Shane O'Rourke was one of them who didn't fulfil his potential. Yeah. And, uh, and there was a, a, a few more. Kevin Riley was another that didn't get to make it. So there's structural problems with me. There's... It's going to take a while. We, we, we put a bit of an investment into Mead football, and I'm very involved at club level. I was involved at Simonstown, and we were lucky enough to be, win two championships. But even club football in Mead is way below Dublin club football, as evidenced last Sunday by 
Kilmacud croaks destroy and Dunboyne. Yeah. So meat football is in a bad way, but meat football should be able to compete with most teams. And when I have my way, and after the revolution, when I get Dublin divided up into four teams, not two, four <laughs> teams, I think we will be able to compete then. But we have a bit to go. I wouldn't hold my breath that meat are going to be very competitive any day soon. But I'm very involved, obviously, in St. Pat's and Navan, and strangely enough, we've had a very big dip in fortunes for the last six or seven years. I don't know why we're putting in a lot of time and effort and money into it, but things are getting better in school, and I think things are going to get better in Mead. Okay, okay. We've time for maybe one or two. Yeah, okay. We've got the microphone. Just oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, it's a question for all you. Uh, who is the best player in your county team or t county squad, and you can't pick yourself? Okay, right. Kieran, <laughs> the best player in the Calvin County squad, and you can't pick yourself. Um, and you can't say Keen Mackey out there because he's down the back. He's, <laughs> a few boys that would be disappointed with me, but uh, no, look, I don't think I'm going to pick any of my own age group uh, because they have still a long way to go and to fulfill their potential. Um, one man that should get an honourable mention is there, Keen Mackey. Um, yeah, well said. Coming back off the back of. Uh, County Championship, the two cups are beside you. I think he might have made a better go up in this chair than I would. He would have had a, a few more yarns to tell of all his uh, ups and downs throughout the years. But uh, definitely, I suppose, Key and Mackie would be the one from Calvin for me. So. Fantastic. Well said. Super. Uh, Colin, the best, the best lead player? Uh, I was lucky, I suppose, played with a lot of good ones. And... Ooh. I think the best footballer I ever played with was Trevor Giles. Was it? Okay. And uh, he, funny enough... Bernard Flynn will kill you for saying that. Yeah. Well, Trevor Giles was born the year I started playing with Mead, and I was lucky enough to end up winning a national league with him and two senior championships with Screen. So he was a brilliant footballer altogether. So it was a sort of a slightly different era than my own. I only played with him for three or four years, but... I think he was probably the best individual player. Now, Stafford and Flynn and Martin O'Connor, they were brilliant players, but pound for pound, I'll go for Trevor. Okay, Mickey, obviously not, not the current Cavan squad, because you can't say that, you'd be shot. But the best player you would have played with? Uh, yeah, I suppose I was lucky enough to be part of uh, the Cavan senior panel in 97, so there was a number of players I would have looked up to at that stage, but... Um, probably Darren McCabe, I would say he was probably one of the best players I played with. Um, you know, Fintan Cahill would be close after that, just for the crack alone. <laughs> but I'd probably go with there. The Cahills generally are very talented people, you know that? Who? The Cahills. Oh, the Cahills, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tomas, uh, the best player you played with? Jeez, um, I was lucky to play with a good few. Uh, Morris Fitz was class, Colum Gooch was, was brilliant, but I'd say for me it was Moynihan, Seamus Moynihan. Really, was, yeah? Um, like he was, he was, he, geez, he was a free creely. He, he had no left leg. I never saw him kick the football. And you'd tell every child that you'd meet to, to always practice with your weak hand and your weak leg. And I never saw, and for him not to be able to kick with his leg, I never saw him get in trouble with the ball. I never saw him and the battles he used to have with the best because he was always put on the best player and he would still come out with a uh, player of the man of the match or whatever. And full-back wasn't his position, and he went in there and he got player of the year, so Moynihan for me was, was class act. Kieran? Yeah, I've kind of three, if it's, if it's okay to have three. Yeah. Um, I knew he wouldn't answer it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Jeez, you're getting a tough time tonight, Karen, huh? Oh, don't worry. For God's sake. Jim Gavin has him schooled to within an inch of his life. If, if we do, Van Fahim and Thistlecrack. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we do play that old, old me team, I'd love to do a man marking job on uh, Colin. <laughs> and, and, and Colin was telling me uh, he was thinking of organising another Players Association, the PPA, the Past Players Association. <laughs> that's, that's the next one down the line. So. If you played against us, you wouldn't be allowed to run across, over and back across the pitch, I tell you. <laughs> You'd run into somebody. I'd be <laughs> <laughs> right, go on, your, your top three. Yeah, well, in like, no particular order. Yeah. Number Fenton, three. Yeah, Fenton for, Fenton for his athleticism and his uh, skill, his ball skills, and how he pushes me on in training. I've marked him since I've been a young lad, and we'd be very competitive with each other within training and pushing ourselves, and we'd always discuss. Um, how both of us played after each single training session. So his vision down on the field, his kickboxing is incredible. Then a lad will go to battle every day of the week for his pure heart, his bravery. He's a proper warrior, James McCarthy. Um, he just always commands his area on the field. And then Dean Rockdown will be a massive player then because like, he's so wacko, one of the best free takers of all time. But the big thing with him is the unseen work that he does for the team to make the team um, a better team, his selflessness. So those three guys, their three attributes, if I could get them and a couple of other different players into one man, Brilliant. maybe the three men I get. Great stuff. Tamers? Uh, the man I'd pick, it has to be Paul Barden. Uh, Paul okay. Barden, I played him for a good few years. I remember yeah. when I was just kind of starting off, we were playing down in a qualifier match in Pierce Park, and he chipped the ball up with his right foot, stole it down on his left foot, and then cut back in and kicked it over with his right foot. So Paul Barden would be my man. Okay, brilliant. Great selection. Um, Okay, so um, we have a raffle tonight and we have um, some brilliant prizes cur courtesy of uh, Pork Brady and of course uh, Brady's Volkswagen here in Arva. Uh, we have four uh, raffle, winning raffle tickets which we believe are, hang on, here we're going to pull them out and there should be a ticket under, on the back of your seat. If you just turn around, if you're standing, you should have been handed one. So I'm going to get Kieran to pull out the first one if you don't mind. Just pick out a ticket if you don't mind and read it out. So this is for... First prize, which is two Hogan Stand Westlife tickets in Croke Park. That's two, it's 88. So, 88. Two fat ladies, 88. Are you not allowed to say that anymore? Am I not? Politically incorrect. Politically, politically incorrect. 88, we got it? Yeah, great. So, there we go. Two tickets to Westlife and the Hogan Stand in Croke Park. Congratulations. Column, if you do the honours there. Okay, this is a 100 euro fuel voucher. So, petrol or diesel, we presume you can use either. 239, 239. 239. Have we got a win? Yeah, we got a win ticket down the back there. Great stuff. 239, 100 euro fuel voucher. Good stuff. Um, third prize. Nicky, if you wouldn't mind pulling one out there. Volkswagen carry bag. So, Volkswagen carry bag. Blue ticket again. Um, All blue. 149. 149. Of course, they're blue in cabin. 149. Have we got a winner? 149. We do, yeah. Great stuff. Volkswagen carry bag. Good stuff. Congratulations. And a Volkswagen Lego set. Um, can I just grab one more if you don't mind? Uh, fourth and final prize is number 56. So number 56. Have we got 56 for a Volkswagen Lego set? There we go. Yeah, lovely. There you go. You two seats for the price of one. Super. Volkswagen Lego sets. Brilliant. There we go. Lovely. 
Okay, so look, just before we leave things, um, I just want to say a huge thank you to, to Pork Brady and to, to the Brady family um, just for the hospitality and for putting on a brilliant show tonight. And I want to call him to give the last word to you, if you don't mind, because I know uh, there's one man here that w obviously, you know, a lot of us miss, um, an absolute gentleman of stalwart of the GAA, and that's Philip Brady. I know you spent a lot of time with him, and particularly over the last uh, few months of his own life, and um, I just think there, there aren't words really to describe what a, what a gentleman he was, what a, a passion he had for the GEA, and someone you knew very, very well. Yeah, yeah, Phil was a wonderful, wonderful man, just like all his brothers and sisters. They're the sort of traditional Irish, uh, decent farming stock, and went into the car business many, many years ago. Their love of their home place, uh, love of country, proper patriots in that way, give a lot of employment and uh, spend an hour with Phil Brady. He was one of those men that when you go away, you'd feel better about everything. And he was a great, great GA man, great time for everybody and a great people's person. And like all the Bradys, a most decent, honorable man. Well said, fantastic. So um, I suppose all I've got to say is thank you all so much for coming and uh, you're all expected to buy a 191 Volkswagen for Porrick there. They give you 25% off if you mention the words game on and 2FM anytime you go up to them. Um, my thanks please though to Kieran Brady, to Colin O'Rourke, to Mickey Graham, to Moss O'Shea, Kieran Kilkenny and Dermot Brady. Brady's Arva Limited. Main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details.